in Systems We Trust is made possible because of Asana. From the production of the episode you're listening to right now, to the projects we've delivered for hundreds of happy teams, we've trust Asana to keep our remote team focused on the goals, projects, and tasks that matter the most. Book a call to learn more about how Asana can take your team's collaboration to the next level. Welcome to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Mark E. Murray. In Systems We Trust dives into all things systems and processes and interviews the professionals who are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. Are you ready for more clarity? Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of In Systems We Trust. My name is Marquis and I'm your host. And today I'm speaking with Anna Bullock. Anna is a business ops, low code and automation expert. After several years of climbing the corporate ladder, Anna decided to go into business for herself. In addition to project management services, Anna specializes in influencing work management solutions for teams through platforms like Asana, ClickUp, and Monday.com, as well as third-party integrators like Make and Zapier. Welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm excited we got to do this. I know this is months in the making. Um, yes. <laughs> so I appreciate your flexibility here, but yeah, I'm excited to have this chat today. And uh, I wanted to start off, you know, just talking about your background a little bit. Um, obviously, your story, you know, resonates with me and a lot of the listeners because, you know, for myself, I came from a corporate background as well. And I was also climbing that corporate ladder and uh, it just didn't make sense anymore. And, you know, so I decided to go into business for myself. So given your varied, varied background, you know, what was that moment for you when you decided to leave the corporate space and start working for yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, to be totally honest, when I had my daughter, a lot of things changed for me. I have two kids now and they're my world. And uh, my husband and I were actually working at the same company. And it went from being a really good setup. We kind of had opposite schedules to a point where they made some big changes. No one had say over that. Um, and we weren't able to pick up our daughter from daycare anymore. So I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure I can make money doing something else. Um, and I decided to work for myself. And I've been really happy with that decision since. Great decision to make. Did your husband stay working there or did he transition as well? Absolutely not. I left, okay. he jumped ship. Um, we yeah. actually have other business ventures in addition to my services. So he works on those um, and he's in school as well. So we've got a lot going on. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So let's talk about um, how your services differ. So you have background in project management. I know you're, you're an agile specialist as well. You infant work management solutions. You're a Google workspace specialist. So just tell us a bit about how your business all comes together. Um, what kind of solutions you deliver for your clients and uh, ideally who your clients is. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the solution I offer, they vary because of my varied background. When I was in corporate, I worked most positions. So I did a little bit of sales, marketing, admin, management, C-suite, all of those things. And so due to that, I have a really good understanding of day-to-day -day operations, but also how projects play into the day-to-day -day operations. And so um, project management is something I do. A lot of my long-term clients are typical traditional project management clients where we run you know, initiatives on teams. And then other clients, as I've gotten to know these softwares better, you know, over the last half decade, um, yeah. I started setting up the systems because I realized, oh, we're not managing these projects as efficiently as we could. So now I work with people to set up things as simple as one template for their client onboarding process, all the way to their entire business operations from sales to delivery and compliance. So my ideal client is anyone from an entrepreneur to 
you know, a Fortune 500 large company. And if they're looking to take things out of their head, off of a checklist, and into something a little bit more formal and automated, you know, I'm very familiar with all the popular industry softwares, and I like helping people make their jobs easier. So, um, really, really <laughs> well put. And so, let's talk about the different options that we have then around work management solutions. Obviously, my go-to is Asana. I have, you know, used Trello and Monday and um, even teamwork in the past, um, not for client work. It was more so, you know, for the businesses that I was running. And so when it comes to the different solutions, how do you evaluate what is best for the team? Does it depend on team size? Does it differ depending on, on industry? Um, and so, yeah, how, how, how do you go about just evaluating what a team really needs when you start working with them? So it's actually both the things you said and a little bit more. So in terms of the industry, I have noticed that certain types of work go better in certain software. So for example, um, a lot of interior design clients tend to prefer like Monday.com, ClickUp, whereas a lot of construction clients love Asana because construction is very, if this doesn't happen, the other steps can't, right? They want that traditional kind of waterfall portfolio approach to project management. So Sometimes the industry will kind of give me a hint at what the best tool is. In terms of team size, typically smaller teams have smaller budgets. So oftentimes, um, you know, if they're choosing between one of the main ones, we'll go with the one that's the cheapest because 90% of the functionality is the same as these competitors, you know, continue to bite off of each other's ideas. Um, yeah. And then when it comes down to the final solution, I don't start with saying, here's the software that you need. I actually start with getting to know, you know, what are your processes? Who's involved? How are we trying to make this all come together? And then we customize the solution to that. So for example, if you're really heavy on marketing and you just want to make sure your HubSpot leads are getting into something like Asana or ClickUp, if there's a particular dashboard feature you want, one has, the other doesn't, we'll just go with that software. But for the most part, it's really case by case. And just curious, because like I have partnerships that you know assist in, you know, um, providing solutions for customers. Are, are there any that you have partnered with that you feel more geared to implementing or suggesting for a customer? Or does it really just depend on this evaluation that you're putting them through? So in the past, um, I was very only Asana. It was very much my go-to. When I got to know ClickUp, that became my favorite for a while. But at this point in 2023, when, you know, Monday, ClickUp, Asana, even like Smartsheet and Rike, when all these softwares are putting out so many updates, they're starting to have so much of a similar capability that it really is custom. I don't have a particular, oh, this is my absolute favorite. I think it depends on your budget, what you're looking to integrate it with, right? There's just so many factors. And so for me, I really just go, what's the best one for you? And we do that. And how do you answer the question then? Um... Of, of which one is best for us. Because oftentimes when me and my team are working with customers, you know, they'll often shoot back and say, well, you're the experts. That's why we hired you. Obviously, they're going to want your recommendations. But can you walk us through that very specific process of understanding what their processes look like and then better evaluating the tool and how you would communicate to them, oh, Monday is a better solution for you based on this or ClickUp is a better solution for you based on this? What does that that full end-to-end -end process look like? Absolutely. So obviously when I start, I'm going to get to know the client's pain points, what they're actually looking to get a solution for. Typically there's an event, a project, or a need that kind of sparks that need. Then what we do is I like to use Lucidchart. There's other great tools as well that sometimes clients prefer, but I actually like to map out what is your process. Most of the time clients either have a formalized SOP 
we can figure that out really quickly, or they have nothing. And this gives them the chance to really go, what are we doing, you know, every day in our business? And once we've mapped out those processes, um, if there's really no winner in terms of which software has the right features, it's kind of a basic project management setup. I'll often recommend ClickUp just because they have the cheapest tiered plan compared to the other two, Asana and Monday. But for example, if this is a business who's really heavily focused on locations, for example, as a point of their um, business, right? They want to be able to see things on a map. I'm going to go with Monday because they have a great dashboard feature where you can pinpoint things on a map. If they are a bigger company or they have a vast array of projects that they want to manage on a portfolio level day to day, I'm going to recommend Asana. In my opinion, it's the strongest for portfolio level management. Um, if they are very digital, lots of video editing, you know, development, things of that nature, I'm going to recommend ClickUp because it's really, really friendly to technology. You can embed web pages in it. There's just so much you can kind of finesse it to do. Um, and that's going to be the best one. So I take the look at their workflows, decide which project management software has the best features, and then we go with that solution. What does a project lifecycle look like? Like you mentioned Waterfall, you mentioned Agile as well. I'm just curious because are you doing the training as well as the, um, the, the software selection and then the implementation and the mapping as well? That's a great question. It actually varies by client. So sometimes people come to me, there's typically two situations. They either have an existing project management set up in one of the platforms, often Asana because it's so popular. Um, and they'll come to me and say, hey, we're using this, but I don't think we're getting the most out of it. So I'll do an assessment of their current use. I will make recommendations. And then if we decide to work together long term, we'll actually iterate and start going, okay, we're going to focus on project management templates. Next, we're going to build your portfolio, right? Um, and a lot of times, no matter what service, that's going to come with team training, because if you don't train the team, they're not going to adopt it. Um, and then the other side of my business, when it comes to these softwares and implementing them, is people who are like, I have a business. It's either like a small business that's growing, or it's a large company that wants to implement, you know, a new tool to manage their work better, and they just don't know where to start. And so we'll talk about what they're looking to manage, and then we'll implement an appropriate solution from start to finish. I'm curious. Um, yes. <laughs> you, you said something there where it's, you know, customers, they're not getting the most out of their software. I hear yeah. that all the time. And I obviously, bet. like, that's why you and I have businesses is because, you know, there are people that need solutions to fill in the gaps. And so I created my YouTube channel a few years ago to answer a lot of questions around Asana that, you know, weren't being right. answered or were coming up, you know, time and time again. I had a thought yesterday, and this is the question coming. I had a thought yesterday when uh, a, a prospect said that to me. And I thought, man, I, I keep hearing this over and over again. Is it the, is it the software vendor's fault? that they're not providing like adequate onboarding when someone opens up the tool. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, obviously there's, there's a learning curve to anything. I understand that. But do you think that there's a, there's a gap there when it comes to software um, vendors and, you know, their professional services team and their onboarding team and, you know, getting customers started? Or do you think that that gap exists there for a reason so that people like you and I can, can show those gaps? So honestly, I lean towards the latter. And the reason I say that is, for example, I'm familiar with basic bookkeeping principles. I kind of understand my taxes. But at the end of the day, when it comes tax time, I'm calling my tax guy and he's going to walk me through the process, right? It's not that the government doesn't have the proper forms available. There's a million free YouTube videos I could watch. But because my specialty is what I do, I really don't have time to learn that. And so I feel like the gap exists because 
people run a business, you know, it can be a consulting business, it can be, you know, construction, IT, whatever they do. And they're really focused on doing that thing great. Most of them don't have time to learn how to properly manage projects, how to properly set up systems. And that's why they often consult and hire people to do that, either, you know, as an internal employee or someone like us who can, you know, set them up with a solution and get them going. Great answer. Yeah. Obviously, like, there's more to it. Like, when, when you said the accountant thing, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So what, what do some of those other problems look like? You mentioned, you know, people not getting the most out of your t- out of the tooling, and then they bring yeah. in for like yourself. What are some of the other common issues that you're seeing inside of businesses, inside of teams that you're coming in to resolve over and over again? That's a great question. So one of the first things that I will say is that a lot of businesses were not ready to get remote during the pandemic. And so a lot of businesses that were previously fully in person are now hybrid or mostly remote or completely remote. And that in office, walk by someone's desk and get an update isn't happening more. And a lot of people initially, at least from what I saw, turned just to tools like Slack and Google Chat and Teams to try to make sure they were staying up to date and everyone was getting overwhelmed. And so what I see a lot of times is these tools really bridge a gap in communication where people don't have to constantly be online to see what's going on with projects, to see what's going on with different initiatives. I think the other side of that coin is that people really don't have a full grasp of their workload. Um, you know, you're familiar with Asana, you know that they can manage workload and capacity, right? With estimated time, you can log time, all of these features. A lot of businesses, when I set them up in a tool like Asana or ClickUp or Monday, and they start tracking their time, planning out projects, they're like, oh my goodness, I've assigned my, you know, lead manager 90 hours of work this week. No wonder they're overwhelmed. And so I think these tools give like a visibility and reporting that people just don't have if they don't have a system like that. Anything else coming up time and time again? I, I definitely identify and, and can resonate with the the lack of visibility, right? They're making a lot of guesses. They don't have the data that they yeah. need to make those, you know, more informed decisions. Is there anything else that you're seeing that is missing or blatantly obvious um, as far as mistakes that they're making? Yeah, I think I think the biggest mistake, other than the ones I've already mentioned, is that a lot of businesses, and I saw this in my time in corporate, it's something I tried to improve that wasn't received well, um, but all those people that tried to improve it were still connected and, and doing great things. And that's training. I feel like a lot of businesses, whether they're growing or they have turnover or really just need help, they will put a lot of money and a lot of time into finding really qualified candidates who can do the work and they can do it efficiently. But then there's either no training, (laughs) the training is really short, or it's not comprehensive. And so I've noticed that a lot of people will, you know, work with me to create new employee onboarding projects. And every time someone's new, right, they're able to work through that process, you know, in Asana, in ClickUp, et cetera. And I think that's a big mistake people are making as well, is just not taking the time to train once you've taken the time to hire. And these softwares can also offer solutions for that. Yeah. Are, are your customers looking for a more train the trainer approach or are you coming in to train their teams? Because like, well, when we go into businesses, if we're doing a you know process optimization engagement, we're, we're coming in, same like you, mapping out their workflows and um, we're meeting with them in a series of live workshops, right? And so we're asking them questions, we're, we're building out this solution live together, asking them questions yeah. along the way, they're involved in the decision-making a lot of the times. And then they're receiving the training. And so um, it's great for the people that are in those in those workshops because, you know, they are the champions are the ones that are leading this. And they're the ones that we're equipping with this knowledge to go off and do it after the fact. But there's always those folks outside of these workshops 
that aren't getting that in-depth training. Do you believe in the approach where we kind of do both or is your is your training, you know, customized a little bit differently? Yeah, so my training is a little bit different. Um, oftentimes, whether it's myself or someone internally, depending on the team size or the team setup, I train everyone who's going to even possibly log into the software. And so what happens is, you know, with a team that has like the person, you know, oftentimes it's like, this is our Asana expert. This is going to be our team admin. They're going to be running Asana, you know, once you help me set this up. If they have a person like that, then I'm going to be spending while we're building additional time training that person, teaching them more advanced features of Asana, making sure that they have SOPs to rely on, you know, once the engagement is over. On the flip side of that, most of the time, my clients really like my approach and we're building something highly customized. And so oftentimes what they'll do is we'll get it set up. I'll train the entire team. And then over time, I'll be available as like new features come out or if they want, you know, they've got a new employee. Hey, Anna, we got a new employee. Can you train this person really quick? And so I just become their go-to so they can, again, kind of focus on what they do best. So I feel like everyone whether it's a five minute video or a one-on-one training session, I feel like everyone who's going to log in needs training. You need to guide them through setting up their notifications, right? Everyone needs to feel included because when they don't, that change management is often not as successful, at least from my experience. Talk more about those experiences. Maybe if if there's a use case you can share, right? Like we all love to share success stories on LinkedIn and this client did this in the cup grant. And like you have lots of those that you can share. I'd love to understand a time when you were connecting with a customer and maybe things didn't go as planned. You know, you came in and the the goal was ABC. We wanted to change. We, right. want, we wanted more clarity. We wanted training. And you take a look under the hood and things are just a mess. And then you don't get the, the partnership and cooperation from the team that you were expecting in the beginning and things kind of go sideways. Is there an example of that? I'd love to establish that first. Yeah, let me think. There's there's a few and they're all very different. Um, I think the best one is I had a team that I worked with several years ago, large bi-coastal organization, not a lot of good internal communication. Um, they brought me on to really expand their use of Asana. They really weren't using it. They just had an account. Um, and we built some really great processes. You know, they did event management. So they had sponsorships they had to manage. They had Um, obviously event planning and implementation they had to manage. And about halfway through what we were planning to have the engagement be, their leadership changed. So they had um, a vice president retire unexpectedly and had someone new come on. And that new leader just really didn't want to spend the time and quite frankly, didn't have the time to invest into the process. And so I totally lost the buy-in from everyone working because they were more worried about impressing this new executive. Um, So sometimes it's company changes that happen. And then I think on the flip side of that, if you want to talk about the actual implementation going wrong, when I was in corporate, my last like truly corporate job did use Asana and people didn't understand how it worked. And we just kind of did it on our own. We didn't have an expert. We didn't have someone setting it up, right. Teaching us how to use it. And so half the staff, was tracking everything, keeping things good to go. And the other half was like, I hate this. I'm doing triple work. And it became a point of contention, you know, within the organization. So I think not having that direct guidance was really a detriment for that team. Hmm. And what, what did you do to, to get over that? Cause obviously like that, that's one of those roadblocks that's not easy to overcome, right? Because there's a lot of feelings that are involved there. There's a lot of like power, um, differences yeah. there like what was the approach like to overcome that and did the project get back on track or did you have to abandon ship which time the 
event planning or the corporate job? <laughs> I, would, I would say I would say the event planning if we're talking about that 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 customer. Yeah, absolutely. So that was probably the hardest project I've ever had. Um, and it was earlier in my career, which made it even more difficult. And it definitely went sideways. All I was really able to do, I still wanted to leave them with something after all the months of work. I was able, um, I got two internal stakeholders to really own the Asana process. And we were able to set up some templates, get some trainings in their Google Drive, right, for them to reference. And then, you know, at a certain point, the leader says, we don't have time for this. So we, we cut the project short. Um, so it didn't end the way I wanted. I definitely learned a lot from that experience. And I think the biggest thing is organizations have their own internal changes and politics going on. So it's really important, you know, whether you're consulting for what we do or another field like marketing or whatever, you know, you really need to be able to be in tune with what's going on, kind of have your finger on the pulse so you can handle those changes better. And that's definitely something I do well now. Very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Something you said that jumps out to me. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense right there is we don't have time for this. Right. That leader came back and said, hey, like we can't do this anymore. And I guess the project just closed yeah. at that point. I'd, I'd love to know how you felt at that moment. Because for me, when I hear something like that, it, it's it's difficult to digest. Because at one point, you had someone who was excited, um, hopeful for, for what the potential for change could look like. Yeah. You were seeking out your solution. Then you come in and it doesn't go according to plan. And, and, I, and I still think back to that person who was like maybe on their couch on a Wednesday night. Yeah. <laughs> so they're dreading going to work tomorrow because things are just, you know, crazy there and they don't have this, they don't have visibility. And then they find the expert. And like, so we go through that whole like emotional roller coaster. We're trying, it's not working. Things are off the rails. We're trying to force correct. And then it's just like, you know, forget it. I don't have time for this. I'm done. So how do you take that? feedback um how are you feeling and yeah what did you learn from that experience yeah so in terms of how i take the feedback in that situation very intensely right if that was the first time um that i had something go sideways like that but i think now i'm very attuned to the fact that people have priorities and i personally find it hyper important even in my own business to plan out my projects appropriately, manage my workload appropriately, and track the progress of initiatives, right? So things don't fall behind. Unfortunately, people sometimes get caught in what I call urgent land. I don't know if someone else said that first. I just know that's what I call it. Um, and, and, you know, they're like, oh, no, like this client's angry. We need to handle this problem. Or we have a failure on this. You know, I had an engineering client, right? Like, oh, we have a failure coming in off the field for this. Like, we need to put all hands on this. And if you're constantly focused on the urgent things that you have time for that are necessary, You'll get them done, but you do long-term continue that stress and you very slowly get relief if you do at all. Um, so I think for me, I try to work with clients to understand, okay, if you feel like you don't have time for this, maybe it's more we're spending time developing things you don't need yet. Let's use the tool for what's urgent, right? So if there are issues, let's build a ticket tracker. Let's track those better. Let's assign them out. Let's put times on them. You know, let's create a form for your clients to send in if there's a failure, right? So I think it's about getting the client to use the tool to their advantage. Typically, they're already paying for it, right? They're already using it. They might as well benefit from it. And then if they truly just know if there's bureaucracy and they don't have the budget, you know, I leave them with the best I can. I'll leave trainings. I'll leave guides. Link them to certain resources as well. But typically, I'm able to now help them use it in the way that they need, even if it's not what they originally hired me for. And then once they get to a good place in their business and things are good again, they often either reach back out 
or are still working with me to implement those long-term nice to have, you know, solutions that they wanted in the first place. That, love that. And what, what about all along the way? Are there any metrics that specifically you'll, you'll want to track? I'm just curious how you measure project success, right? Obviously there's a lot of learnings from that and there are a lot of probably red flags, things that happen along the way that you're, you know, attuned to later on. So what are you looking for early in the project? How are you measuring success? And do you ever relay that to the customer in the case that, you know, they don't see the impact? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one unique thing about my background that I took into this, I'm not someone who, you know, went to school and went straight into consulting, right? Like I've worked at the bottom of organizations, even like in fast food and hospitality, and I've worked at the top. And so what I learned is the person at the top often has more information about strategic objectives, budget, capacity, and things on the horizon. But the person, you know, whether it's a middle manager or someone just who's an individual contributor or contractor, they know what's going on day to day in the process. And so for me to mitigate red flags with clients, I will obviously meet with a stakeholder, the other person hiring me, they have the goal. But then I ask them, and almost 100% of the time they're fine with it, to quickly interview their team members. And so I'll talk to the team about what they have going on, see if there's anything the stakeholder's not aware of, see if there's pain points that maybe the stakeholder's not aware of. And when I approach it from top and bottom, then bottom back to top, and I really consider everyone, I'm able to mitigate a lot of that risk because typically it's that gap in communication between the two that causes a lot of those problems. Hey, if you're enjoying the episode, I need to ask you a favor. Would you just take a minute to leave a quick rating and review? This helps the podcast get in front of other listeners just like you. Any help to get the word out is always much appreciated. Thanks for listening. We haven't touched on this yet, but obviously yeah. a, a lot of this um, this back and forth, and those are great metrics that we're looking at, but oftentimes the, the customer maybe gets a little bit too comfortable or you know they, they get really excited about the solution we're, we're implementing as well, and you know the inevitable scope creep comes in. So how do yes. you work along the way to effectively avoid scope creep without, you know, negatively impacting the client experience or pushing the project in a, a way that it wasn't intended to go? No, that's a great question. And that's definitely the first thing when I started working for myself that I realized is that these projects are all going to scope creep if I don't handle that right. So um, when I meet with a client, what we do is we talk about their process, their workflows. And then when we talk about what they're looking to get out of a work management solution, we go into different tiers. And so I say, what's absolutely critical? Like, why do you actually need this, right? So that's a category. Then I say, what's something that would make your process more efficient or some kind of feature you don't currently have? We talk about those. And then it's like long-term, if you had your whole wish list and, you know, millions of dollars and you get everything you wanted, what are the nice to haves that aren't included in this list? And so once we've prioritized what they're trying to get out of this solution, we will iterate it in very specific <laughs> chunks because otherwise it will creep. And so for example, I had a client, they've got like 25 employees, they do a lot of um, IT solutions. And so for them, managing their client work, you know, government contracts, private contracts is really important and not missing deadlines for contracts is really important. And so what we focused on first was, we took a glimpse at all of their active projects, and we just made very simple projects with milestones and dates. And we made a priority category, we added a tier called contract non-negotiable so they would know, oh, this, this date can't be moved. And they use that 
And in the back end, I was working with their lead project manager to build the nicer template, right? That they didn't have time to start with. And now they have a comprehensive seven project stage template, everything set up with dependencies, priorities, and it's saving them so much time. For a couple months, they were just doing the bare minimum to stay on track, but now they have this system that they've invested in and it takes five minutes to set up a project. It's amazing. You know, so we started with the critical, but in the meantime, we put 20% of that effort towards building something long-term. So, And I was just going to ask about priorities and how to, um, you know, (laughs) create them within organizations, organizations as well. And so this question is about how do you enforce those things? You mentioned that have like that custom field where it says this can't be moved. So how do you enforce things like that? It doesn't just come down to training. And then what are the ramifications if someone does move it in this case, right? Um, And that's making it not a priority or maybe it's now overdue and it's blocking something else. Well, let's talk for a little bit. Absolutely. So first and foremost, um, when we are planning out, if we're talking about like a template, right? Like this is typically our project process. We talk a lot about the critical path of a project and what the buffers potentially are, right? So if we have a contract non-negotiable that a kickoff call has to be held with the client within 10 days, right? If that's something that's required. If there's 20 steps before that, even if they're not considered contract non-negotiable, they have tighter deadlines. What we'll do is we build in buffers and we'll say, okay, all of these steps need to be done within five days. So if anything non-critical is getting done a couple days late, we're still hitting our target for the non-negotiable. Oftentimes with something like that, that particular client I referenced will have notifications. So they're an Asana user. Um, And in their Asana, if a non-negotiable item is coming up and it's due within the next two days, it alerts the project manager, right? It alerts and says, hey, this is coming up and they have time to make sure everything's good before it's too late. So it's really just getting ahead of it, using notifications to your advantage, And then using the reporting features, if they have that tier, um, to see what's going on, see what critical, you know, deadlines we have coming up in the next week by assignee, however they need to view it. And they're able to start planning ahead instead of chasing past. Right. Um, Just what you said there on on reporting. Are there any of the tools that you do implement where reporting is more robust or, or detailed or granular than the others? Yeah, I actually find that to be the most interesting difference and often the deciding factor in what software that I use for a company or an individual. So for example, monday.com, it has a really interesting way of drilling into reports. So I create a bar graph, right? And I have categories being the X axis and task count being the Y. What's really cool is I can click one bar and it will open up a task list. So you have kind of a customizable drill down. Whereas in Asana, if you use a bar graph, for example, and you click into it, it will create a task list for you, but the columns in that task list are what they are, right? And so I find that to be interesting. Yes, I'm sure they will at some point, but right now that's a difference. Um, For Asana in particular, I really like the way that when you put numbers into a report, so if the number is like our budget's $1,000 in this field, and then we've used 500 in this field, I like that when you click into a number or a metric like that, it's super easy to see what caused that. Um, And then within ClickUp, they have, similar to Smartsheet, really customizable um, widgets on their dashboard. So you can kind of change the sizes really pretty. Um, You can embed things. You can add links. There's just a lot more, almost like making it a wiki or a web page dashboard that I find really interesting um, that I think Monday and Asana lack. So I think they all have really interesting, unique features. And for example, I had a client... He wanted to drill down, so we went with Monday because they were the one who could customize drill downs, but then he wanted to have tasks live in multiple lists with custom custom permissions and views, 
and only Asana and ClickUp could do that. So he ended up going with ClickUp, right? So it's, it's little things that make a difference. Talk, talk more about ClickUp, please. Like I, I know okay. you, you and I have had, <laughs> you know, brief conversations in the past about my lack of, yeah. of understanding um, or knowledge on, on ClickUp. Sell yeah. me, sell me on ClickUp. Not that we're comparing them because they're different to the people. <laughs> and like, I know that there are great. I have great friends who have ClickUp agencies, and so I, I don't want to. Yeah. In that sense, I just want to understand because I often will get the question when when people are switching from say spreadsheets and email management um, as their as their work management solution. They're like, I'm, I'm giving them a demo on Asana, and it's you know, can you tell us more about ClickUp? How is this different? And I just don't know enough. Right. So what would you say to someone if it was, you know, we're looking at ClickUp, give us a rundown on how it works, what it looks like, in your opinion? Absolutely. So I think that the big difference to me, there's three really key factors in ClickUp. It's currently what I use to manage my business, although I've used all of them at some point to learn them better. Um, ClickUp is highly customizable. And so one thing about ClickUp compared to an Asana or a Monday or some of the other competitors is that even on the task level, it's very easy to change permissions, customize things, build specific views. Um, for example, if you have a contractor and you only want them to see their task, it's super easy to automate where those things go and how they look at it and getting them that free account to do so. The second thing is just the cost. Um, to my understanding, ClickUp did launch as a competitor to Asana when they came out. And one thing that I've noticed is no matter what the prices are, ClickUp's always less. And they're always like, hey, we're cheaper, right? Because that's a part of their appeal. Um, and then the third thing that I would say to like sell you on ClickUp or tell you the difference in ClickUp is that ClickUp is very process focus so their homepage, you can embed your google calendar and move tasks around it right things you can't do in some of these other softwares their dashboards you know are just highly customizable like i mentioned you can make them like a wiki if you want to they have an internal docs so you don't have to link a google doc or you know a microsoft word 365 document you literally can build a document in ClickUp that mentions tasks so it's more of an all-in-one in my opinion However, if I was doing portfolio level management for a large company, I would still pick Asana every time, right? So ClickUp is amazing. I think for the average person, small business, it can do everything and more that its competitors can. However, there are certain limitations just because when it is that customizable and it is that task focused, you're not going to get that same high level that you get with something like Asana. Yeah. Why do you think Asana hasn't done things like that customizable dashboard? Like the Google Calendar for me is like the most obvious, like low hand yeah. fruit that there could be, right? Like you have a task, it's assigned to you. You have the ability to set a start date, um, start time, end time within Asana. If you do sync it to your Google Calendar, it shows up as an all day event, right? Rather than falling in line. So then I think, what's the point of having the times inside of Asana? Why, why haven't they thought about those things? And another example I'll give you is on the time tracking. I don't know what ClickUp's time tracking looks like. Maybe you can speak more to that. But Asana integrates with um, Toggle, let's say, um, EverHour Harvest. And the EverHour app, when you, when you log it in, when you integrate it, sorry, you can see now hours budget at the top of your project. You have a tab yeah. underneath your inbox that says, you know, timesheet. You can go and check your timesheet. You know, the Harvest integration works a little bit differently. It's not as integrated. And now Asana has time tracking that's native and the reporting yep. is just 
lackluster. And I'm like, oh, there's such a, an opportunity here to just make this better. So let's look at those two examples, um, Google Calendar integration and then time tracking. Why did Asana, in your opinion, overlook these two features? I wish I knew because they are two of the biggest features that I prefer. Um, in terms of the calendar, I always found it interesting that Asana creates an all-day event. It's a lot like what Smartsheet does. I think it's really simple. I think for the level of technology that they have, it's a bit outdated, to be honest. But even bigger than that, it's the other way of the sync. So the way I use my calendar and click up is not to put tasks on my Google Calendar because I'll just see too much and I'll lose it. What I do is I have my calendar synced to ClickUp, not as a task that I have to check off, but just as the events to block off for the day. And then I take my task and I fit them in in between, right? So like right now I have podcast recording on my calendar, but after this I have tasks to get done for clients. And so what I like about that is it's not just saying, here's my task, let's put them somewhere. That almost is backwards to me. It's here's my calendar. Where's my time to get things done? And I'm able to just fill it in. I think Asana is working towards that. I feel like they are constantly, especially this year, putting out really good updates that we've been asking for for a long time. Um, but if they're listening, I beg them to please <laughs> integrate Google Calendar in that way. It would be amazing. And then the second item was, what was the second thing you wanted to know about? I'm tracking. What are your thoughts on the, the, the native features versus integrating and then how that compares to, say, ClickUp? Yeah. So I actually, for a couple of my client projects in Asana, I do use the native time tracking. And um, I used to always stick with EverHour because I think it's one of the better integrations. Like you said, you can see the budget, right? There's all these cool right. features. Um, if I could take the features of the EverHour app and put them in Asana, that would be my dream, right? Like being able to see the project budget, calculate people's hourly rates, et cetera. That's um, what I mean. Like it, it's right yeah. there. Just do that. <laughs> it's Asana. Exactly. Um, I don't know if they can't. I don't know. But, you know, I hope that they implement that in ClickUp. I really like the time tracking. It can go to the granular level the same way the Asana one can. And the reporting in ClickUp, they have presets. So like if you build a dashboard, they literally one of the three options they give you is build a time tracking dashboard, right? See what your team's doing. Um, and they have a lot of different ways that you can visualize the time. I personally love using it because, you know, like I said, I'll look at my Google Calendar. I'll put my task in for the day and I'm just clicking timing. Let's go, right? And I'm making sure that I'm getting things done. Um, and then at the end of the week, if it's an Upwork client, for example, I'm able to just look at my ClickUp and make that match my work diary. It just makes things so simple. Um, I wish I wish Asana would update the reporting and add those features because then they would be a little bit more unmatched in my opinion, right? If on a portfolio level in Asana, yeah, budget, time, oh my gosh, like that would be amazing. Yeah, no kidding. Um, as I'm thinking about this, uh, I'm curious because I, I, see, I see this a lot too, and it's more on the lines of communication. But how do you, what are your thoughts on teams or companies, I'll say, that have different teams that work in different tools, right? So, oh, our our IT team works in this tool. Our, our marketing team works in this tool. Mm -hmm. Our DevOps team works in this tool. And our, you know, content you know team works in this tool and you know we don't have a mm -hmm. way to communicate like for me the answer is simple bring it all into one tool but how do you right if you have someone uh, a company like that how do you um communicate how better to communicate um across these two yeah. say what are your thoughts so personally my number one recommendation is the same i'm always going to say if you can put it in one place put it in one place please right the more one tool is your source of truth. 
the more it will be useful, the more you're actually seeing. I will say, especially for very like tech center companies that are like, we can't give up Jira, right? Or if there are certain companies that are like, we just genuinely can't give up the software. That's part of why I got into integrations the way that I am now is because if you truly cannot get your design team off ClickUp, but everyone else is in Asana, I can at least help you every time they have a task in ClickUp, right? It's showing up here. We can communicate in some way. Um, so I always recommend if, if you absolutely cannot convince a team to be in one tool or if they can't be in one tool, either integrate them in some way or make someone responsible for keeping track of both things. Um, I often find the integration to be more efficient. And, and is it the same for things like Teams or Slack? Because for us, like if a conversation is <laughs> happening in Slack, like my team, knows, yeah. like get it over to Asana or we're going to take the the task link for right. task in Asana, throw that in Slack to remind everyone, hey, the conversation's happening over here. So well, what are your thoughts on like DM and like um, instant messaging tools Yeah, as they relate to so the... I I have controversial thoughts on instant messaging tools. I think even as much as people have streamlined their processes, they'll put their task in a project management tool. I think we are, at least in my experience, most companies hyper use chat and I find it to be very anti-productivity. Um, personally, what I coach teams to do when I implement solutions is if it's related to that Asana task, right? That link you talked about. We need to either get on a call and have a conversation, update the task, or we need to be having this conversation on the task as we're both available. I feel like personally, Slack is for unrelated to a specific initiative, right? It's like, hey, like I really need to meet with you. This client's upset. Or, hey, guys, you know, we're trying to find a really good time to meet about the budget this month, right? Can y'all throw some suggestions? It's more to me collaboration or really urgent notifications. Most people, in my experience, use Microsoft Teams, Slack, those other tools to just kind of talk about everything, and it just becomes very unproductive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I've kind of got a love hate with them, right? Like, it's yeah. great. It's great for one offs. It's great for DMs, but you know, we're we yeah. have the messaging features inside of Asana. We're using status updates mm -hmm. Asana, and so why not just have all the people, the tasks, and the conversations around the work happen where the work is happening, right? Exactly. So, anyhow. And uh, what, what's the vision for the future? Where are you heading? Um, wh what are you working on? What, what does the next you know, one to three years look like for you? So the next one to th three years are going to be really interesting for me. Um, I'm really leaning into building these workspaces, using integrations where people need them, and really just helping my clients build the workspace of their dreams, do more of what they love to do. And so I'm going to continue doing that. Um, I'm very much a software nerd, so I'm constantly learning more about different softwares. You know, in the last year, I've gotten really heavily into HubSpot, which I didn't even use before that. Um, and I'm working on that developer certification. So it's really just continuing to learn softwares as the market changes, paying attention to that. So for example, I got into ClickUp because I just kept seeing it, right? And if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be where I am now. So I'm always on the lookout for interesting new startups or people who are entering this field, and I'll continue to learn all of those. Um, and then Personally, I'm in the middle of getting my MBA, so I'll be getting that, which is really exciting, and continuing to raise my beautiful kids and making my partner happy. So just a lot of love and abundance, to be honest with you, and, and productivity. <laughs> wow. It sounds really balanced, right? Like, I, yes. I love that family's a focus for you on, on the same way. Um, incredible. Yeah. Good for you. Well, thank you so much for being here. And what's the best place that people can catch up with you and learn more about what you're doing? 
Absolutely. So um, at the airing of this episode, you can just go to AnnaBullet.com. I'll have a contact form if you want to reach out to me personally. You can also find me really easily on Upwork and LinkedIn if you'd like to start a contract. So that's what I suggest. Beautiful. And uh, the links will be in the show notes as well for anybody. Anna, can't thank you enough for your time. Glad <laughs> we got to do this finally. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Marquis Murray. If you liked what you heard today, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to rate the episode and share it with a friend. 